We're going live for the next hour with the entertainer coming up on this special Friday edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everybody, welcome to a live edition of the Locked On Giants podcast as promised. Patricia Trainer here with you and I am joined by the one, the only Chris, the entertainer Guzzo. Chris, my friend, welcome. So happy to see you. So happy to have you on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be back. Uh, I, I think we were on maybe about a month ago, five weeks ago, whatever it was last time I was on your channel. Um, always love coming on, talking Giants with you and we got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot... I don't even think we expected this five or six weeks ago. So it's been a lot of turnover right now with the New York Giants. Yes, indeed. I know I didn't expect this kind of turnover. I mean, I knew maybe Gettleman was out, but Joe Judge, but we've got a lot to talk about. We're not going to, we're going to jump right in. And also along the way, we will answer some of your questions. If you have a question, drop them into the live section there and we'll get to as many of them as we can. And if we don't get to them, then, um, you know, just email them to me, Podcast at gmail.com. And I'm doing a special mailbag show tomorrow, and I will make sure that I get to as many of you guys and gals as possible. All right. So, Chris, we got to start with uh, the GM. Obviously, we knew Gettleman was there was no way that Gettleman was going to survive here. Look at this candidate list. They have nine people on the list. What are your thoughts about this list and, and who do you like from this list? First thing that pops off to me when I see the list uh, in comparison to the last GM search, last time we had a GM search. We brought in four candidates. Two of them were with the current Giants team. Another one, Gettleman, of course, a former Giant. Um, and then we brought in Lewis Riddick. So we brought in one outsider. This time around, you've got nine candidates. All of them are outsiders. The other thing that jumps off the page to me, all of them are very young. The oldest candidate is 44 years old. And all of them are coming from successful organizations. You've got the Cardinals, the 49ers. Uh, you go down the list, right? Uh, you've got the, who are, the Chiefs, like the Titans. So they're all coming from very good organizations. Um, in terms of the guys that are the favorites, I think, by most fans right now, you got Joe Shane. I mean, you look what happened when he went over there with Bean, who kind of brought him over there when he worked with him in the past. Uh, they turned that Bills organization around. They hadn't made the playoffs for 17 straight years. They've made it four out of the, out of the last five. And a lot of it has to do with their drafting, of course. So he's definitely going to be up there for me. Uh, Peters, Adam Peters from the 49ers. Those are the only two guys that are assistant GMs. The others are kind of a step below in terms of the hiring process. That doesn't mean they won't get the job. But um, Peters is another guy uh, who had a lot of success with the Denver Broncos as well, was part of that roster that they built that won a Super Bowl. Now he goes over to the 49ers and, again, got him back back in the playoffs. And uh, all I've read about him is really good things. A lot of 49ers fans thought that he was going to be the future GM of that football team. So I'd be really interested if they brought him in. Joe Ortiz, I think you brought him up last time we talked, if I'm not mistaken, from the Baltimore Ravens. Been there for 18 years or 20 years or however long it's been. Uh, been a really good scout. Arguably the team that drafts the best in the NFL over that time span. So he's another intriguing candidate. And Ryan Poles, I think, is a sleeper that not a lot of people may be talking about, but a former offensive lineman out of Boston College. He's only 36 years old. He's the youngest guy on the list. But you look at the way that the Kansas City Chiefs are able to build up that offensive line this year, I think he has to have something to do with that. So 
he interests me interests me as well. But I'm interested in all these candidates. Yeah, and you know, another guy that I want to mention that I that I thought was kind of interesting was uh, Quentin Harris, who actually. If you blink, you miss them. But he was actually in Giants camp back in 2006. And out of all the candidates, he also has contract negotiations as part of his duties. Now, it's interesting because, you know, when you look for a GM, um, you're not going to find everything you want. In other words, you're not going to find a guy probably who is a good talent evaluator, who's a good, you know, uh, contract negotiator or cap specialist. But I think for this Giants team, the important thing is to get the talent evaluator, get somebody who's progressive, forward thinking. You know, one of my complaints with the Giants the last several years is they were patchwork and the patches after a while didn't match up. And you had this mod podge, if you will, of, of talent. And I use that term loosely in some cases that just didn't flow. And I think that's important when, you know, getting a talent evaluator in here, somebody who has that eye and who can think not just for this year, but down the line. No, you, you hit it on the head. I think that's the most important thing. And I think the fact, you know, when we last talked, we both thought they were going to stick with judge. This was like midway through the season, but the more I thought about it as the season was ending, I said to myself, you have to be able to bring in the best talent, talent evaluator you possibly can. And I think when push came to shove, they kind of said to themselves, we can't have Joe Judge blocking that. We have to be able to bring in the best guy we possibly can. They have five picks inside the top 85, two picks inside the top seven, and you can't mess around this draft. This draft is huge for the future of this football team. So that that's it for me. Uh, you can always get a capologist. You have to get the best talent evaluator you possibly can in this building. The other thing you got to do, you have to allow him to pick his staff. If that means you get rid of all the scouts, you do it. You clean house, you let this guy build. Uh, build your organization. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's let's touch on Judge for a minute here, because as you said, a lot of us, you know, a month ago or so, we didn't think that he was in any danger. But you look at the last six weeks, and you just look at everything together. You know, the the meltdown, the the famous eleven minute presser. You know, I almost heard signs of of Shermer and McAdoo in the, those pleas, because that's what that stuff they were saying at the end there when they knew that they were maybe on shaky ground. But, you know, the, the, I think for me, you know, and I like Joe, I think Joe one day as he matures as a, as a head coach, he will be a good one. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he was as prepared for it. I think one of the biggest complaints I had about him was how he surrounded himself with all people he seemed to be familiar with. And that, to me, was a very small net as opposed to, you know, expanding her horizons and and going outside and saying, okay, well, you know, and and I'll give you an example. You know, Nate Ebner over Michael Thomas never got that one. You know, it it was like, well, he knew Nate Ebner from his time in New England, so let's get rid of Michael Thomas, who, by the way, is still a very good player, special teams, and who can actually contribute on defense. So just little things like that kind of irked me with that, you know, let's surround myself with with what I know as opposed to branching out. And I don't know how much of that was because, you know, he was new in his position trying to, you know, put his feet on the ground or whatnot. But that was that to me was a big thing. And that's why, you know, when they go to this new head coach, whoever this is going to be, I hope that this person's a little bit more willing to cast a wider net in terms of coaches, in terms of players and, and you know, just in terms of how he does things. Yeah, I mean, I, one one complaint a lot of my subscribers had going into the season that they worried about, is there too many cooks in the kitchen? I think, like, the Giants had, like, a record-breaking number of coaches. 
Um, and like you said, all of them, for the most part, were familiar with Judge and guys that he had formerly worked with. And it just didn't work out. And I think what we learned as Giants fans as the season went along is I still think he could be a good head coach in the future. I definitely think he's a smart guy. I do feel bad for him. I do think he was put into a really tough situation, but he didn't do, do himself any favors. I mean, throughout the year, we're being honest with ourselves. He didn't show any confidence in the players on this roster. I understand it. He's not been afforded the best roster, but also, for being fair, he built that roster. We all agreed that he had a big hand in the building of the roster over the last two years. So um, it's unfortunate. I do think that 11-minute minute press conference was, when, he went, when he went on the 11-minute rant was really the first time that I said, okay, there's a good chance this is getting that he's going to get fired because then it became a national story, and I think that's when it brought the pressure uh, upon John Maron and the New York Giants to make this move. And then, of course, the QB sneak on third and eight didn't do him a whole lot of favors either. So it is what it is. I think it's one of those situations as a fan, you you wish him nothing but the best. Wherever he ends up, I hope he becomes a great coach, but it just wasn't meant to be with the New York Giants. Indeed. All right, folks, you got Patricia Trainer of the Locked on Giants podcast and Chris, the entertainer, Guzzle. We are doing a live show and we are taking your questions. Chris, let's see what we've got in the mailbag here from our chat group here and see if we can't answer a few of these questions. All right. First up, we have Mike uh, Sicosio. I hope I said that right. I'm bad with names. I apologize, Mike, if I mispronounced that. How do you think Big Blue can juggle the need to take their time hiring a GM to make sure it's the right choice, but also ensure that they ha that there's time to hire a great coach? Chris, if you don't mind, let me take that one first. Um, Mike, I think if the next great head coach of the Giants is coming from a playoff team, as long as those playoff teams are alive, you don't have to worry about that. I think, um, you know, for example, if it's going to be uh, Brian DeBall up in, in Buffalo, um, the Bills will probably be in the playoffs beyond this week, I would think. Um, so that's how you kind of balance it, uh, if, I, if I were to take a guess. I mean, Chris, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I think it is a tough situation because you, I think there's two other teams that are trying to hire a GM along with a head coach. There are now eight teams. I couldn't believe that the Houston Texans fired their head coach after one year. But now there's eight teams that are looking for a head coach. Um, so I do think it's a, it's a tough situation that they have to find a happy medium. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is getting the GM right. So whatever, however much time they feel like they need to take to get that right, they have to do it. But they still have to have in the back of their head we have to have a head coaching search as well. And maybe while they're interviewing these GM candidates, they're, they probably have it down to two or three in their heads that are the most likely candidates they're going to hire. And maybe they're getting ideas of which coaches they may be interested in. Maybe they're throwing out flyers to those coaches saying, listen, if we hire this guy, we're going to bring you in for an interview. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But um, I think the most important thing, like we said earlier, is get the GM right. We have five picks inside the top 85. And this guy needs to have full say in who we bring in. So, Got to get the GM first before I really start worrying about the coach. All right. Let's take another question here from Dan W. Who asks about Scott Pioli. Should we be looking at Scott Pioli, who has ties to both Flores and McDaniels for head coach? And he personally hired and developed several of the GM candidates on this list. All right, Chris, I'll let you go first on this one. I mean, I would have no issue bringing in Pioli. Um, I think that I think a main reason why people were bringing up Pioli to begin with is because of his ties to New England, and they thought the judge may stay on as the head coach. He had uh, success with the Atlanta Falcons, I believe. He was the general manager there, and they went to the uh, Super Bowl under under him as being the general manager. I'm pretty sure, but I wouldn't have any issue with it. I doubt they're going to bring him in. I think if they were going to bring him in, you would have heard about it already. Um, they they brought in nine candidates already, and I think this will be done within a week or so. So. 
I don't think you'll have Pioli in here, which I'm not too upset about. I like – and he also doesn't really fit the theme, I think, of what they're doing. They've brought in a lot of young guys uh, that, have, that, that are still within the sport. So I don't see Pioli being brought in here. If they did, I'd be open to it, but I don't see it happening. I would be open to it as well, but I'm with you on on that same train of thought, if you will. Get get young guys in here. You you don't want to have to keep turning this over every four years, every two years, whatever the case may be. Get a GM, get a good head coach, put them on the same timeline, and hope that they are here for a number of years. I mean, this this constant turnover is not good. And you know, Gettleman was here for four years, but still, that's a short time, relatively speaking, for a GM. Uh, it was necessary, but it was still a short time. So, you know, I'm not saying that Pioli wouldn't be a good option, but as as was pointed out in the question, he also kind of trained, if you will, some of these younger candidates, people who, you know, have been in the game, who remain in the game, and who I think maybe are following the changes, the, the subtle changes of the game, because the, the game does evolve. You know, years back, it was all about pounding the ball, you know, getting that stud running back and now it's more of a passing league. And now you look at defense guys are instead of having one position, they're like positionless because they do so many things. So I think you just need someone who can keep up with all that. Not saying that Pioli can't, but you know, just to me, I would want somebody who was constantly doing it and constantly involved in all that stuff. So uh, that's my take on that. So um, all right, let me see if we have another one here. Uh, I just saw one from, here we go. Renato P, my man, he's always sending me questions. Renato, I got your email questions. I'm going to get to them on Saturday, promise you. Do you still think John Mara doesn't want to rebuild or do you feel this time will be different? I think they've got to rebuild. I mean, look, the fan base, I think if, if they hadn't, you know, if Gettleman hadn't retired, if um, if Judge had been retained, I think we would have seen a full-scale, you know, march to, to 1925 Giants Drive protesting this. I mean, the fans, you know, I'm not saying they influenced it, but at the same time, I think John Mara was was uh, in tune enough to realize that this couldn't go on. Yeah, I saw somebody in the chat say my microphone was muffled, so I thought maybe it was the headphones. I unplugged the headphones, so let me know, Crazy D, if that fixed it. I apologize. Um, but as far as the question about John Mara not wanting to rebuild, like you said, what choice does he really have? Now, I don't think it's going to be a complete blow up year one just for the simple reason we have too many players under contract that people, quite frankly, just are not going to want. Nobody's trading for Kenny Galladay. Nobody's trading for Leonard Williams with the money that he's due to make. Um, and I'm, maybe, the, maybe the GM will identify that those, he wants those guys in long term plan. We don't know. But I don't think it's going to be a complete blow up year one. But I think it's going to be like a they're going to start to shuffle the guys out that they don't want to be here long term. They're going to start building through the draft. We've got nine picks. Maybe you trade down, you get an extra pick, start thinking about the future as well in the following draft. This guy's going to bring in the guys that he wants, just like we saw with Gettleman. When Gettleman came in, he cleaned house. He got rid of all the guys that Jerry Reese brought in. You're going to see something similar. I'm not saying every player is going to go. Andrew Thomas is not going to go. Xavier McKinney's not going to go. Kadarius Tony's not going to go because um, they're under rookie salaries. They've only been here for a year or two. But the guys that have been here for a bit, the guys that were brought in as free agents, don't expect to see them here very long. Um, and I do think he'll start to shuffle in his players. Yeah, and the salary cap is a mess uh, that's going to take at least a couple of years to clean out because I, th I started doing some work on that. Five guys account for nearly 50% of the salary cap next year or next year being 2022, 
which is wild if you think about it. But Chris, you know, we, we've got to talk about one other aspect. You know, we've been talking about the GM. We've been talking about the head coach. We got to talk about the quarterback situation here because, you know, make or break year, I think, for Daniel Jones. But of course, now complicating things is what's the status with his neck? Is that neck injury going to be OK? Now, Daniel did speak to the media um, at, on quote unquote baggy day. It wasn't a traditional baggy day, but it was for the players. And, uh, you know, Daniel sounded confident and he says, well, listen, you know, I've got time on my side because, you know, if you think about it, he doesn't have to worry about doing anything contact wise until summer, you know, August, the preseason games. So he has time on his side. But still, what do you do with Daniel Jones? You have to make a decision here on his 50 year uh, option year. Mm -hmm. Um, The quarterback class, I mean, I don't know if you think this, but I'm not so sure there's a stud in there that you can, you know, pound the table for and jump up and down for. So to me, it seems like their options are limited as to what they do with Daniel, except I would not pick up that 50-year option. What would you do with Daniel? Can't pick up the 50-year option, in my opinion. Um, yeah. you, got, you got a GM that's coming in with no ties to the guy. Like you said, the neck injury is very concerning. Um, did he show glimpses of improvement this year? Yeah, I do. I think at the beginning, he looked like he was starting to improve. After that Cowboys game with all the injuries to the team himself included, it kind of went off the rails. So... Um, I don't think you can give him the fifth year option and it's going to be up to the GM. I'm going to let the GM decide, listen, I'm going to give my recommendation, what I would do. I don't want to draft a quarterback this year. And I think if the GM is smart, unless he is blown away by a quarterback prospect in this draft, because the way I look at it is this, is this Pat in the NFL, you, you have to think about the team as well as yourself as an individual. And if you're a general manager, the second you draft a quarterback, you're putting your job on the line. Cause if that quarterback fails, you are out of a job within three years. Period. That's just the way it works, especially if you draft a quarterback within the top five or seven. So if I'm a general manager coming into this situation with how bad this team is, like you said, in a perceived mediocre quarterback draft class, I'm not drafting a quarterback. I'm sticking with Jones for another year. I'm bringing in a guy that could compete with him as the backup. You have to bring in a solid backup. You can't come back here next year with Mike Glennon, uh, especially with the injury histories that Daniel Jones has had. I'm trying to get in a much brighter offensive mind. I'm hoping that'll be the head coach. Um, and we'll go over hoping, you know, maybe some of those options that the New York Giants could bring in. But you got to bring in a better scheme and you have to improve that offensive line. You got to start building the team around the quarterback. And then the following year, you probably, uh, unless Daniel Jones takes a huge leap, you're probably looking for a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. You know, if again, if you had said to me back in October what to do about Daniel Jones, I would have said, oh, you pick up the option here. But then the injury issue again. And it's to the point now where you can say that he's injury prone. All right. The guy doesn't know how to slide feet first, which is a problem. Um, so you can't pick up that option here. And yes, you know, the offense was was just I was really, really disappointed because I thought Jason Garrett would come in here and he would have a, a plan that would fit this talent. And it just that would that to me was probably one of the biggest disappointments yeah. of the Joe Judge era. Um, but yes, you've got to get a head coach in here who I think is offensive minded or at least get a hot shot offensive coordinator. And those people are going to be in high demand because, you know, we've got what eight different NFL teams now looking for head coaches. So the competition is going to be stiff and you can't just, you know, I think one of the mistakes was, is bringing in Garrett and not really knowing how the, the personnel was going to shape up and whatnot, not again, that patchwork approach. So I would hope moving forward that instead of that patchwork approach, they just they have a plan and say, okay, we're bringing in this guy as our offensive coordinator. This is the type of quarterback we need. This is the type of running back we need. This is the type of receiver we need, and so on and so forth. 
and build it according to the plan rather than, oh, this guy's available and he's cheap. So let's plug him in here because that's what I got the impression they did. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm completely with you on all of that. The Jason Garrett experiment was a complete disaster. I think that was more Mara influenced than anything else. And if you want to argue that there's a lot of things you could say where, where Joe Judge got the short end of the stick, I think that's the strongest argument. The fact that he didn't even get a chance to pick his offensive coordinator. And once Judge was on the roster, apparently Joe Judge was not able to. I mean, uh, once um, uh, Jason Garrett was on the roster, Joe Judge didn't have the option to fire him. So um, I think John Mara screwed Joe Judge in a lot of ways. Not to say that Joe Judge should be back. I, I, I think it was the right thing to do. But um, Jason Garrett was a disaster. Definitely, unfortunately, because he's a good guy. But he's you know, a good. I, I like him a lot. He seems like a great yeah. guy. But yeah. Um, and it wasn't even. I I never even put the full blame on Garrett. I think it was more the Giants. It, he didn't fit our personnel. Like right. One of Jason Garrett led offense. You need strong offensive line play. We were nowhere near that. Yes. So it just wasn't a smart decision. They should have brought in more of a West Coast style offense. Yeah, which which Daniel excelled in, if you think about it, in his, in his rookie season. But anyway, folks, I apologize. We do have to take a break because I do have to run a couple of quick ads. But don't go anywhere. We've got plenty more coming up with the entertainers. So we'll be right back. All right, Giant fans, the G-Men might not be in the postseason this year. But if you're looking for a competitive edge in this weekend's playoff picks, Check out OnlineGambling.com, a website dedicated to giving bettors the edge. Throughout the playoffs, they're providing you with the best NFL tips, news, and more, all to help make your bets as informed as ever. And for me, I'm feeling pretty good about the Bengals, Bills, Bucks, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Cardinals in the wild card round this weekend. But see for yourself. Visit OnlineGambling.com and check out their tips to make your selections. That's OnlineGambling.com. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, let me tell you about Get Upside. It's an incredible app that everybody who drives and fills up at the pump regularly should own. Get Upside allows you to save up to 25 cents per gallon every time you fill up at the pump. And best of all is you can cash out anytime you want to your bank account via PayPal via gift card to Amazon or other brands. And it's just so easy. And for a limited time now, when you sign up and use our promo code touchdown at the Get Upside app, you will save 50 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's right. Download the free Get Upside app from the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store and start saving. That promo code again is touchdown. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get the GetUpside app. All right. Thanks, everybody, for your patience. We do have to get the sponsors in because they make these shows possible. You got Patricia Trainer here on the Locked On Giants podcast with the Entertainer. And, Chris, you know, we've been talking about, you know, Daniel Jones this, this segment before. What about Saquon Barkley? You know, this Barkley uh, going into his option year, which has already been exercised. Do you think he's on this team this year? Yes. Uh, yes. This year. Yes. Yes. Um, and I, I think Saquon Barkley has gotten a lot of venom from the fan base this year. I don't think all of it's justified. You got a guy coming off an ACL tear and it was a severe one. And I think a lot of people just expect him to bounce back the way Adrian Peterson did. That doesn't just happen. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was drafted second overall. But that's out of Saquon's control. That's not his fault uh, that Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants decided to do that. So. I do think Saquon could bounce back next year, especially if you focus heavily on the offensive line in this year's draft. 
It looked like he was starting to improve as the season wore along a bit. And I hope he comes back and has a great year. Whether or not he's in the long-term plans, I would definitely lean towards no, especially with bringing in a new GM. And if I was the Giants, if I'm being honest, the new GM coming in, I try to bulk up the offensive line. I hope that Saquon Barkley gets up to a great start the first seven or eight weeks. And you find a team that's trying to compete for a Super Bowl and feels that Saquon Barkley could put them over the top. Maybe you get a second-round pick for the guy. Who knows? Um, for a team that's really looking to uh, try to compete to win a Super Bowl. But going into next year, I think Saquon Barkley will be rostered. The trademark is just not there for him. Right. And and also, you know, the other benefit to keeping him is, unlike 2021 when he counted for $10 million plus over the uh, on the cap, that number dropped to $7 million. So very affordable. But, uh, you know, moving forward, though, I don't know that I would sign Barkley. Even if he has a strong year next year, I don't know that I would make him the highest paid player at his position. I think that's just foolhardy to do that with a running back. You know, they, they have short shelf lives, most of them. Sometimes you get lucky, you get an Adrian Peterson, you know, or a guy who can, can, can play for 10 years. But I don't know that I would take that gamble. I mean, especially, you know, you're going to have Andrew Thomas coming up. Um, you're going to have to extend him. You're going to have to make your decision on the quarterback. There's going to be so many other areas you're going to have to decide on. And to me, I, especially after seeing how Devonta Booker stepped in and, and did well enough to get him, you know, to do what they needed him to do. I don't know that I would invest in, in, in a, you know, all my eggs in one running back. Doesn't make a lot of sense. If you're being honest with yourself and not just thinking about a play, listen, Saquon Barkley is my favorite player on the team, but if you're thinking about the team and you're thinking about it logically from the mindset of a GM for a team as poor as the New York Giants, why in the world would you allocate seven to 10% of your salary cap on a running back? Why not fix the offensive line through the draft? And we saw it. I mean, the last, in 2008, we had the best running attack in football. We had two seventh round picks and a fourth round pick, uh, Brandon mm -hmm. Jacob Ford and, and Ahmad Bradshaw. So, um, Fix the line, and unfortunately, as much as I may love Saquon, I don't think it's in the best long-term interest of this team to keep him here long-term. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's grab a couple more questions, and then I want to talk about the salary cap situation because I know a lot of people have asked me about that, and I want to get your take on that. But let's grab a couple more questions real quick from Rick Chiarello. Chiarello sorry, folks, I don't have my glasses on. and These are really small type uh, for me to say. Is the Giants head coaching job desirable or a dead end job? Ooh, I think it's um, desirable. Yeah, you go ahead. You start. You start. I, I, I'm going to say I think it's desirable. You've got the draft capital. I mean, yes, you've got to cl clean up the cap, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, this is a chance you, you're resetting. You, you know, this is a chance to reset now. Is the are the Giants going to go from worst to first? I don't know because I think they're a little further away. I know the 49ers did it a few years ago, but the 49ers had some consistency. Plus, I think that was a different situation. But no, I I I could see this job being very desirable, especially if you get a good progressive and forward thinking GM who you can work with, and and you've got all that draft capital. Like I said, now you can't make a big splash in free agency, but hey, guess what, folks? It didn't work this year. It didn't work the two years they they tried it earlier. So why would you want to go back and say, okay, well we're going to load up on free agents to make a run for it when you know you've got all this capital? I could see both arguments. I could see some people think it's undesirable and some people think it's it's desirable. First, I'll say the undesirable argument. Um, I think the fact that they've moved on from three head coaches after two years, if you're a head coach coming in, 
you say to yourself, well, this isn't an organization that has really given anybody a fair opportunity to be the head coach of this football team. Um, so I think that's a fair argument to be made for some people that may feel like it's an undesirable destination to come in here and be a head coach. Now, from the desirable aspect, it's hard for me to say until I see the GM that they bring in. But the fact that they're bringing in an outside GM, the fact that he's going to be coming from a good organization, and the fact that you're going to be able to build this team the way you want there's no there's no Eli Manning on this roster right now. You're going to be able to build this roster the way you want, the quarterback you want, the defensive scheme you want, the offensive scheme you want. So it's going to be almost like a newborn baby for the GM and the head coach that comes in here. So from that aspect, I think it's desirable. Then you factor in that you got five picks inside the top 85, two picks inside the top seven. The salary cap is a mess this year, but going forward after that, it is very clean. So I and, – and here's the other thing. If you're smart and you're forward-thinking as the GM as the head coach, you shouldn't want to be spending this year. You really shouldn't in terms of free agency anyway. You let these players leave that you want nothing to do with, Evan Ingram, all the guys that are free agent. You get compact. You keep building your team through the draft in the following draft. And then the next year is when you start to bring in the pieces to build this team up. Next year, we know we're not competing for a Super Bowl. Fix the line as best you can. Start to get some pieces on that defense for long-term stability. But um, I think it's desirable, but I could also understand why a head coach from the outside looking in would be like, this fan base and this owner's got no patience. I'm going to come in here. They're going to want my head after two years in, in a situation where it's going to be very hard to succeed. But I think it'll be a little bit different this time around because you're going to have the GM and the head coach on the same timeline. Yeah, that's a good point, Chris. I mean, you know, the track record, <laughs> you can't keep turning the organization around every every two years. But but you're right. You know, you, you've got a new GM. You're putting the GM and the head coach on the same timeline. You know, the free agents, you know, I looked at the free agent list, there's really not a whole lot of guys that I can say they have to bring back from their own free agents, you know, and those that they that you know, you'd like to see them bring back like an Eli Penny, for example, you could probably get on, on a cheap deal and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, this, you're right. This is like starting all over again. And I think if somebody comes in and they're hungry and they want to prove themselves, this is a golden opportunity to do so. All right. Jonathan Morales asks, do you think Wide receiver is a position like running back where so much so much money shouldn't be invested in a player. Uh, hmm. I can make a case for, for yes and no on this, but I'll let you go first, Chris. I think wide receiver is more important than running back, and I'm not a huge wide receiver guy. I'm definitely offensive line, quarterback, edge rusher, cornerback, probably even coverage linebacker before wide receiver in terms of importance for a football team. But wide receiver is definitely important. And if you're an elite wide receiver, I definitely think they're – they're worth paying. Now, what I will say is if you could get an elite offensive play caller, a guy that could scheme guys open and you have a really good quarterback, they could make wide receivers work. You look at the Green Bay Packers. They've never drafted a first round wide receiver the entire time that Aaron Rodgers has been there. He's never thrown a touchdown to a first round wide receiver. You look at the New England Patriots, the outside of Randy Moss for a few years, they were never known to have elite wide receivers that they went out there and drafted. I think the first, uh, the last first round wide receiver they drafted outside of Nikhil Harry which has been a bust, was Terry Glenn back in 1996. So I think I think it's important. It's I would say it's definitely more important than the running back position in terms of being worth more money, but it's still not near the top, in, in my opinion, in terms of importance. Yeah, I, I agree. Now, I spoke with uh, NFL Network analyst David Carr um, a few weeks ago for a story I was doing on Daniel Jones before he got hurt. And we were talking about that. And he told me basically that a good quarterback can make a average receiver look like a superstar. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, you know, if, if you have a, you know, a Jerry Rice that comes along or, you know, a really 
top tier receiver that you don't invest in him. But if you're thinking in terms of of a Kenny Galladay, for example, Galladay's a good receiver, but he's also been injured. And, you know, there are flaws to his game. So, you know, you'd have to, if you're going to spend big bucks on a receiver, I think you would want somebody who can consistently separate, consistently win, you know, the contested catches and who, who, you know, if you're a quarterback, you don't have to really scheme that guy open or throw to that guy, throw that guy open, you know, so to speak, like Eli used to do on a regular basis. So, uh, yeah. That's very important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just, um, I, I'd probably put them fifth or sixth in terms of, important at a specific position on a football team, but yes. because I do think a great quarterback makes good wide receivers look great. And yes. I think it's a great yep. offensive receiver. like cup, for example, and cups great. He's going to break the record. I think he broke the record for most yards. Is Cooper cup doing that? If he's not with McVay, like, let's be honest with ourselves. So I, I, I think, I, I think it's important, but I think there's things that need to, that I, if I was a GM that I would pay before I'd pay a wide receiver. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. All right, Chris, I want to ask you about some salary cap stuff because I have in front of me the list of the salary cap, uh, the highest cap hits. And I mentioned before on the show that five guys, and those five guys are Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, Kenny Galladay, Adoree Jackson, and Blake Martinez, count for nearly 50% of the 2022 cap of 208 Point two million. Now that number may be adjusted because there is some postseason accounting that has to be done. And by that, folks, I mean that you know there there are incentives and whatnot that maybe weren't met that will become cap credits. So the Giants might end up with a little bit more cap space than what maybe uh, the current NFLPA number shows. But that said, Chris Williams has a twenty-seven point three million cap hit. Bradbury twenty-one point eight six three million. Galladay, 21.15 million. Jackson, 15.264 million. And Martinez, who was restructured this year, if I'm not mistaken, 14 million. Where do you start? Because you cannot have that much uh, at the top. I mean, and 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 what's 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 tricky here is Williams, Galladay, Jackson are all entering year two of their respective deals, which were signed in 2021. So they've got guaranteed money now still in their contracts. How do you fix this if you're the Giants? You wait a year. I mean, if you're being you, you, you wait, you can't do anything about Leonard Williams. You can't keep backloading these salaries either because you're just going to make it worse and worse down the line. You can't do anything about the Williams contract. You could potentially cut Martinez. And I hate saying that. The guy's coming up with an injury. It would save you $9 million if you cut him. You could definitely draft an early linebacker in this year's draft. Or you could try to extend him and lower the cost on a per-year average being that he's coming off the injury if he's willing to cooperate. But I don't think you could bring him back on that $14 million. Bradbury as well is a possibility. I mean, again, he was a Dave Gettleman guy, the new GM coming in. Is he going to want to pay him $22 million against the cap next year when he could save 12 or 13? So that's a question you got to ask yourself as well. Um, I would like to keep Bradbury, but again, I would like to get an extension if possible. But we can't keep backloading these salaries. We had to backload a ton this year due to the pandemic and the condensed budget because of it, uh, because the salary cap fell. But I think you got to wait a year. I don't I don't expect this team to go out there and spend like lunatics this year. You got to wait a year as a fan base, as an organization, as a GM, and, and you got to start building this team through the draft. And then you start to bring in some nice pieces in free agents the following year. Yeah, absolutely. And I just saw, I, I think Amazing Guy posted a comment. He says, oh, the cap will be fine in 2023. Yeah, but not in 2022. 
that's we, we got to get through 2022 before we worry yeah. about 2023. But, um, you know, of this list, I, I wonder if James Bradbury is in danger of being cut because, you know, the, the production this year, whether it's was because of injury, whether it was because of the change in the scheme or what have you, just wasn't there. Um, Williams, Galladay, Jackson, you, you can't really touch. Martinez, you know, do you, do you maybe restructure, Not maybe not restructure is the right word, but do you maybe adjust that contract and put some incentives since he's coming off injuries, which I hate to do because the guy's been solid for them. And, you know, you never want to penalize a guy for being injured, but they're going to need to do something. And then, you know, after them, you've got Shepard, who is, let me see, Shepard's at, let me just scroll up here, 12.495 million. I'm not so sure he's back. Logan Ryan, 12.225 million. I think he comes back. I'd be shocked if they get rid of him. And then you've got, you know, the t- rounding out the top 10, Andrew Thomas and Daniel Jones, who are on their rookie years. But, you know, maybe you get a little relief when you lop off a Shepherd's contract. Although I've, I've got to look up and see how that's going to work because with the injury, they may have to do an injury settlement there. I'd have to go and, and find what the rules are there. But, Rudolph, I don't talk to save him five million dollars. Who's that? Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, Rudolph is is down there. Rudolph has a a cap of seven point four two five. So I think you're going to have to go a little lower, you know, in 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 the top list listing of players to to clear some some cap space out. But uh, because you know, look, yeah, you're not going to want to, you know, you're not going to have enough money to to make a splash in free agency. But you got to clear money to sign your rookie class, which right now I think according to over the cap. The last number I saw, the Giants were in the red by over nine million dollars in functional cap space, which is what kicks in when they when the top fifty one starts, which it does on the first day of the new league year. So they definitely got to do some maneuvering of this cap. Guys are going to have to get lopped off. I think you're going to see contracts redone. Um, just a really bad job by Gettleman and company in that last you know last year with with what they did, their whole approach. You know, just I said yeah. it was a high risk, high reward uh, type That's of approach. Exactly what it was. That's up. exactly what it was. They rolled the dice. They were hoping that by being aggressive in free agency, they could they they'd be able to analyze Daniel Jones and take that big step. And they were wrong, uh, yeah. dead wrong. And they rolled the dice and they were wrong. And next year you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, the plan might have worked had they not had all the injuries, but still it was a high-risk, high-reward yeah. plan. It didn't work in 2014. It didn't work really in 2016. I mean, they got the one playoff year, big deal, but then it fell apart. I don't know why they thought it would work again, and I hope that, you know, whoever the next GM is, they never do this, this take this approach again because yeah. you also signed a lot of guys on one-year deals, and now you have to sit here and say, okay, are they going to have enough money to, to – fill out a 90 man roster. I think they will, but you know how they're going to get there. I have no idea. So that's going to be interesting to see. All right, let's see. Cody Dunbar wants to know what players would you cut from this team? If you were the GM. All right, Chris, I'll let you go first. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the giant salary cap right now. So I can tell you every player that I would cut, but we went over a lot of them just now, but yeah. um, just looking at the salary cap next year. Uh, all right. I'll scroll down. Riley Dixon's gone. Riley Dixon's going to save me like $3 million. I've been a guy that's come out and said that I would draft the punter in the seventh round to pay him next to nothing. Uh, Dixon doesn't really help us in the punt game. As a matter of fact, he hurts us. He's horrible. Nick Gates, it depends on the injury for me. And I know a lot of people may not like hearing that. The guy's had seven leg surgeries. You save $2.2 million if you cut him. If you feel like he's healthy, um, maybe you bring him back or you try to restructure the deal. I'm just looking at the back end guys first. 
Booker's gone, in my opinion. It saves you $2 million. Mm -hmm. I could draft a running back in the fourth or fifth round and save money that way. I wouldn't bring him back on his $3 million salary. Um, O'Shane Zimenez is going to save me a million dollars. He's gone, in my opinion. I wouldn't bring him back. And then if you get if you go towards the top after that, um, Rudolph is absolutely gone. That's going to save me $5 million if I cut him. Um, let's see who else. You've got uh, Logan Ryan you can't cut, like you said, because of his dead cap hit. Shepard, I think you have to cut. I don't know the specifics like you were saying with the injury specific, but he saves $4.5 million if you cut him. He's probably not going to be able to play next year, so I think he's gone. Uh, Blake Martinez saves you $8.5 million. You have to think long and hard about that. If you can't extend him, he's not worth the $14 million going against the cap. You had nothing to do with bringing him in here if you're the new GM. And uh, the other one, obviously, being Bradbury. Like I said, it saves you $12 million if you cut him. So I think there's things that they could do, and there's, there's players that they could potentially extend to try to alleviate some pressure as well with the cap. Um, but those are some of the guys that I would uh, definitely be looking to cut or, or extend uh, to lower the cost this year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, you know, the, the interesting one, and I was having a conversation with somebody about Riley Dixon. I am of the opinion that you, that you move on from him. But oh, somebody, I don't even think I don't even think, anybody that wants to keep Dixon is out. It, anybody that is <laughs> anybody well, that is willing to keep Riley Dixon at this point in his three point five million dollars salary is either Riley Dixon himself, Riley <laughs> Dixon's agent, or Riley Dixon's mother. Everybody else should want Riley Dixon gone right now. <laughs> I I I happen to be with you, but you know, spoiler alert. Um, I have a guy at Giants Country, Coach Gene Clemens, who. He he's he is an actual coach. I'm not. It's just not a nickname. He is an actual football coach. Uh, knows his X's and O's. And I got to ask him, but he, but I asked him to do a, an article on guys he would keep as a cornerstone, and he had Dixon on it. And I was like, what? And I was talking to somebody else about it, and, and somebody was explaining to me. Somebody who's really good with special teams said, you know, Dixon can execute certain types of punts where he got into trouble is when the coaching staff asked him to do different types of punts. Uh, and I don't know all the types of punts there are. I mean, obviously, there's some directional kicks. There, there might be pooches and coffin corner, you know, and all that stuff. But it was when they asked him to do different types of punts, that's where he got into trouble. So my response to that is, is, well, if he can't do those extra punts, why do you keep him at that salary? So, I mean, I, I, I got to find out. I ain't keep, I'm that. sorry. They can talk about all the punts they want. They can name it whatever they want. I don't care. Yeah. To me, it ain't worth the $3.5 million. And I saw SR say, "What about Peppers?" Also, he's Peppers is under agent. contract. That's why. Yeah, Any, anybody's the, Yeah, anybody who's who's going to be a free agent, we can't we can't cut them, guys. So, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, he's he's a guy. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Peppers is going to be back. Uh, I, I, he he kind of got the impression that, you know, he he doesn't want to come back. But all right, another question here, Scott Simino, uh, I think is. It? Yeah, Sir, Sermo, excuse me. Who is your dream GM coach pairing? Jeez, you know, I don't know that I know enough about the GMs at this point and how they're going to tackle. You know, it's not like they have a track record per se, because mm -hmm. even though they came from successful organizations, I don't know who was involved in making what decisions. So that one's a tough one for me. Um I haven't really thought so much about head coach. I, I got to admit, I'm a little ill-prepared for this question, but do you have a, a, a pairing that you like, Chris? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out the potential pairings. Like when you th when he says pairings, I'm assuming he means guys that these guys have worked with before. So Shane, the obvious guy would be Dabble from the Buffalo Bills, the offensive coordinator, um, who actually Joe Judge apparently wanted two years ago to be the Giants offensive coordinator. That probably would have worked out a lot better uh, had we brought him on. He's done a great job with Buffalo. 
You've got Poles, who's the general manager candidate from the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of people say Eric Bieniemy could be a guy that he naturally brings over with him. And then you got Adam Peters with Mike McDaniel, who a lot of Giants fans are jumping on. He's um he's the offensive coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers, who um obviously they got they they run a really modern day offense with uh with what they got over there. So um I think those would be the three guys. If I had to pick one of the three uh, out of those, I'd probably go with Peters and McDaniel. If I had to go with one of the three. Yeah, I I I don't know. I'm I might go with the Buffalo guys. You like know. that? Yeah. 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 I, 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 I mean, again, I got to do more research on it, but this, I, I like the candidate pool for GM. I mean, that I will say, but, you know, short of not being able to ask questions and be able to say, okay, how would you tackle this, this, and this? I guess I would want to hear it, but, you know, obviously I'm not going to be able to hear what they have to say. That's up to John Mara and Steve Tish and Chris Mara to decide on, on all that stuff. So, uh, you know, it's interesting. Do we trust, let, let me ask you, you and, and, and I'll ask the, those who are still on the line with us. And do you guys trust John Mara and, and Steve Tish and Chris Mara to get this right this time? I don't know if I trust them, but what choice do I have? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, for everybody that's still ragging on Mara, and I get it, I've been ragging on Mara for the last two or three years because I do think Mara's been the primary problem with this team. Mm. I, I think it's because of Mara that Gettleman was even hired in the first place because mm. I don't think a lot of people were going to be willing to take this job uh, with the situation that Mara presented the GM with, not to mention he didn't really do a GM search. He looked for guys that he was comfortable with, guys that were mm. former New York Giants, guys that had worked with him in the past. Um, I thought that it was his fault that he fired Shermer. There's so many things. The fact that he he kept Reese when he should have fired him with Coughlin. So I blamed a lot of this on Mara. So uh, I've been I've been a big big uh, you know hater of John Mara. If, if I'm being honest with you, the last four or five years. But what Mara did yesterday or whatever the press conference was two days ago, I don't know what else you could ask for as a fan. So. You have no choice but to give him a chance. It looks like he's finally doing the right thing. He brought in outsiders from every organization underneath the sun. He's bringing in young candidates. So, yes, I'm going to give him a chance. You know, just like I gave Dave a chance, I'm going to give Mara a chance to do the right thing. I'm not going to start flipping out if he keeps his brother, but they get rid of everybody else. I'm going to give this GM a chance. I'm going to give this head coach a chance. And I do think Mara looks like he's trying to do the right thing this time around. Yes, and hopefully – when he hires the GM, he gets out of the way and lets that person do, you know, I, I've been screaming for George Young too, which we haven't really seen people, you know, a lot of people, I don't think are know this, but my understanding is, is George Young, he had the complete say, complete um, authority to make football decisions, but I don't think that carried over after George Young left. So I am hoping that moving forward, maybe that changes, but anyway, Chris, got to run one more commercial break, guys. So uh, be a quick one. We'll come back. We'll get more of your questions. Plenty more coming up. Stick around. All right, Giant fans, we have more coming up with the entertainer. But first, betonline.ag would like to wish you a happy betting new year. As the NFL postseason begins this weekend, the NBA and NHL continue to heat up, and the sports world in general continues to bring us so many memorable moments. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and betonline.ag has a new and updated 
desktop and mobile website where you can sign up today for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on to get started. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Visit betonline.ag which is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Giant fans, we've got more coming up with Entertaina. But first, if you're aiming to get fit or eat healthier in 2022, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You'll want to eat it because it's so good. It's unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a like a chemical spill. And most built bars contain around 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution to eat right without the guilt and without the calories. So head on over to builtbar.com and use our special promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your first order. Again, that's code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. All right, that's the end of the commercials. No, they're great. You do a great. You do it. You do a great job. I'm, I'm entertained by them. <laughs> I still, you know, I shouldn't. I should have these memorized by now. But you know, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's spend these last few minutes answering your questions, folks. If you have a question for me and the entertainer, drop them in the comment box, and we will get to as many as possible. So, Chris, let's get one up here from uh, Authentic. How many picks do you spend on the offensive line in this draft? I got to say at least two, wouldn't you? I'm going to say nine. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Maybe uh, nine. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to put. I don't want to put like a specific number on it. Um, I would say at least three. I would okay. say at least three. I'm not saying the first three, but I think two out of the first three, in my opinion, should be offensive line, and then one later in the draft. There's like a depth piece, a future depth piece for the team on the line. We certainly need that. Uh, maybe a fourth or fifth round pick. I would say three out of the nine picks. I'd one on the offensive line and two out of the first three. Um, realistically speaking, there's definitely a lot of other holes on this roster, but I think it's something that has to be the focal point of this team going into the draft. Yeah, I, I think it does, you know, and, and that was another thing I was screaming about is that in addition to the starters, they didn't really add depth pieces, which I didn't understand. You know, I mean, they signed two undrafted free agents last year. They n- neither of them stuck around even on the practice squad just really a head scratcher from, from Gettleman who, you know, said, Oh, I'm going to build up that offensive line. But anyway, next question we have from Ignacio Gonzalez, Patricia, you being in the media, what was your perspective from Joe judge as a coach person? You think he would have succeeded here given one more year. I like Joe as a person. Um, I know a lot of times maybe he, he came across as being too um, married to the script. But I think, you know, he there were there were times when he tried to educate people as to what was going on. I, I mean, I love the the segments they did on Giants.com with him breaking down the tape. I thought that was really, really good. Um, I also thought at times, you know, while I understand he wanted to protect people and not throw them out under the bus, which I can appreciate. I, I kind of wish he had been more like Tom Coughlin in that regard. Cause you remember Chris, how Tom Coughlin used to say, if we win, it's the players. If we lose, it's me. And when they would lose Coughlin would get up there and he would talk about all the different ways that the coaching 
let down the players. Whereas if they won, Eli did this, you know, Brandon Jacobs yeah. did that. This guy did that. You know, you, you, you remember that? I mean, that's yeah, yeah. what I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a little bit more of a balance as opposed to this, this, um, well, we're, you know, I like how we're practicing. We're working hard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it's not showing up, Joe. So something's something's. Yeah, you not, have to. You know, somebody has to take some responsibility. Yes, right? that that's, that's that that's what bothered me most about Joe. But again, I kind of see where he was coming from. But I, you know, that really, I was like, no, man, it's not all <laughs> rosy, you know. I mean, yeah, I, I like that. Like you said, he backed up the players. That's what you want in your head coach. But at the same time, when the team's doing as poorly as they are, take some fault for it. I think that's what that's what the fans wanted to hear and. Um, hopefully the new head coach that comes in learns from that. I, I don't expect him to ever throw his players under the bus, though. I respect Joe for that. Um, I think he did a good job in that aspect. The other thing I'll say, uh, going back to those Giants teams, you talked about how Coughlin never uh, threw the players under the bus, and he always used the coaches to blame when things weren't going good. You can say the same thing about the players. Like, look at Eli Manning. I mean, anytime Eli could have pointed the finger at anybody, he always took responsibility. Eric Flowers could have allowed, allowed him to get sacked eight times and be like, I got to do a better job out there. Um, I, I think the, both the players and the coaches back then did a really good job with the media. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Let's take one now from Abe's Odyssey. At, um, oops, sorry, my screen. Are we in total rebuild or do you trade down with both fifth and seven picks to bulk up for next year's draft? And if we trade down, is there still value later in the rounds for offensive line? I don't know that I would trade down on both. I might consider trading down one. What do you think, Chris? I mean, I'd consider it. It's not going to happen. You know, I, yeah. I think a lot of people look at like these mock draft simulators and they're like, oh, look, I was able to trade down from five to eight. I was able to trade down from seven to 12. We talk about how this is a poor quarterback draft class. You'd be lucky to find one trade partner. I don't think you're finding two early on in the first round. So sure, if the deal was there, but it, it, it's all circumstantial too, Pat. Like who's there at five? Like if there's a player, like I think we learned this year that sometimes it's better just staying. We could have had Micah Parsons. We could have had Rashawn Slater. So if there's a player there that you absolutely love, you're not trading down. So let's see who's going to be there. Let's see what the offers are. If they're, you know, if teams are willing to trade up, but I, I just don't think it's realistic to expect this team to trade down twice. If they could trade down once and give themselves some more ammunition to come up and potentially have to get a quarterback in 2023. I think that makes a lot of sense, but I don't see us trading back twice. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I would have no problem if they trade down once, but I would not trade down twice. I mean, at some point you got to use the draft capital. And I understand because that's what the Browns, and the Patriots have done in the past to build up that draft cachet, but at some point you got to start adding pieces now. So, yeah. all right, let's get another question in here from John Kim and wants to know, is there a power struggle in ownership? I wouldn't say there's a power struggle. I think with any partnership, not everybody's going to agree with each other a hundred percent of the time. I can't speak to, you know, what specific disagreements John Mara and Steve Tisch might've had, but I don't think I can honestly sit here and say that they agree on a hundred percent of the things all of the time. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm not privy to the conversations they have, but uh, you can kind of guess at some of the things, but I don't think the relationship has been one where, Oh my God, they've got to do something about it because it's holding back the team from, from progressing. I, I don't think it's at that point. Yeah, I mean, like you said, whenever you have two owners, it's you're 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 gonna have disagreements. It's impossible not to. You're never gonna agree on everything. Um, we don't like you said. We don't know. We're never gonna know. We don't get. We don't. We we don't. We we don't get in those back rooms. We don't get to hear the conversations between Mara and Tish. Um, 
I'm sure there's that they bicker from time to time, but I don't know. I haven't seen any evidence to think that they have a horrible relationship together. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I mean, I know Wellington and Bob Tish got along beautifully. Um, I have no reason to think John and Steve don't, you know, get along as well. So all right. Next question comes up from Jay Seward. I know you guys were only able to ask one question to Mara. However, did anyone get a chance to ask about replacing the tarp? Jay, the, the transcript, I think, actually came out, as did the audio. So, no, that wasn't covered. And also, just a, a quick note on that Mara uh, conference call. There were a lot of reporters on that call. So not all of us got to ask a question, even though some of us had our hands up. And weren't called. So they, I think they had like 20 minutes because John had to go into his next round of interviews with the GM candidate. So it was more or less a quick one. And, you know, unfortunately, that was not a question that was asked, nor were injuries. Asked. You know, did anybody get a chance to ask about injuries, which is another bug, you know, uh, bug in, in, in the the uh, ointment with this team, you know, the, the high number of injuries, the Giants finished, according to Man's Games Gloss, as the number one top, uh, rated injured team they have been in the top five i want to say the last i don't know four or five years maybe even longer than that i mean chris what's the answer here is it's is it the turf it do you know people say oh they got to get a new training staff but the training staff is there to treat the injuries i think it might be the conditioning and getting these guys you know the training and i also question these guys that hire personal trainers are these trainers necessarily um skilled in football stuff or are they more general trainers you know uh, just, these are just some ideas i've had i mean what do you think has been at the root cause of all these injuries other than you know the game being so violent in itself well yeah that alone there's going to be injuries and and, I, and i've been asked this question a lot this year because the giants have been not just this year like over the last 10 years we've probably been one of the most injured teams um and i don't think it's one thing i i i think it's a culmination of a lot of things i think the turf probably has something to do with it Maybe the fact that we sign or draft players that are more prone to being injured, maybe that has something to do with it. Uh, maybe their preparation before the games. I, I think it's a number of things. I don't think it's just one thing. I think I think there's been too many injuries for it just to be one thing. You know, if everybody thinks it's just the turf, we got a ton of injuries against the Dallas Cowboys. That was on the road. So I, I, I think it's a combination of, an, of a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And, you know, Grass. I mean, Saquon Barkley tore up his knee on grass, you know, right. So, that was on the road as well. right? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just unfortunate. All right. A few more questions we'll take here. Scott, uh, Sermo again, do you all believe this past decade is the lowest point in franchise history? You know, I lived through the better part of the wilderness years. I was young at the time, but I remember them. And I, of course I researched them for my book. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, would you say this past decade has been worse than that? I mean, you you know your history as well, Chris. I mean, would you say this has been worse than the wilderness part one? I didn't get to see it. You know, I've read about it. Like you said, I've done my research on the team. I didn't get to experience it. Um, but what I'll say is it can't be much worse. Like, like the 70s can't be much worse than right now. I mean... This team has won. I don't think there's been a team that's won less games than the Giants over the last 10 years. Maybe the Jets. Um, and that's about it. Um, and the fact that we've now gone through four head coaches in since Tom Coughlin left. Right? Well, McAdoo, Shermer. Yeah, there's going to be our fourth head coach since 2016. Um, it, it's been a complete disaster. We have not been able to get any kind of consistency. The fact we haven't been able to build an offensive line, um, it's bad. I mean, this was the most losses a head coach has ever had. 
in New York Giants history for a single season uh, with 13. I think I read that as well. So, um, yeah, I would say if it's not worse than the 70s, it's damn close. And it's definitely trending that way. And, and that's why I think we're all excited that we seem to be turning the page. We seem to be thinking outside the organization. And hopefully this gets us kickstarted in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, because look, I made the, I made this joke, and it's really not a joke. I'm I'm half serious, but I'm tired of covering a losing team. Me too. I mean, it's my job. I get it. I get it. Paycheck, win or lose, but it would be so much more fun for me to actually write about a winning team. And it's funny because I was supposed to help out with playoff coverage, but of course the GM search, and I've got to do the the head coach search and all that stuff. And that's fine. I don't mind doing it, but. You know, it takes its toll. I mean, I know fans sometimes think, you know, I, I know sometimes fans say, oh, you know, the media loves it because they're losing and there's a lot to write. No, it's harder yeah. when you have to cover a losing team than it is when you have to cover a winning team. It, it takes a lot out of you. And these last two weeks, Chris, I don't know about you, but I really had to force myself to stay tuned into the game because I was like, I knew what was coming. And it was like, you're helpless to do anything about it. Yeah, I, it was it was it was really hard to watch the games and call the games and 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 talk about the games after the fact. It was, um, yeah, it was it was really hard. To Once Jones went down, uh, the air the air went out of the blue, and it was like, what am I here to watch now? You're watching Jake Fromm. You're watching an offensive line that that we could block better than. I mean, they were that bad. Um, and and a, and Joe Judge, who looked like he was a chicken with his head cut off at times down the stretch. So it was a disaster. That was probably a lot of people told me this was their worst season since being a Giants fan. I still mm -hmm. say 2017, but this was a close second for me. It was, it was really tough. Yeah, I agree. All right. We got to close out the show on this. This isn't a question. This is more of a comment, but it's one I agree with. So let me share it from Ignacio Gonzalez. Tana is the best YouTuber and extremely <laughs> professional as we supporters would love him. And at some point inside the Giants media, put in a good word from him. Chris, my friend, I totally agree with that sentiment. You are fantastic. I love talk. I could talk ball with you probably for the next two, three hours. I wish I had two, three hours to talk ball. Um, we probably could still have a, like a nice steady flow of people on the show here. But uh, unfortunately, folks, all good things must come to an end. But yes, I totally agree that that Chris is, is awesome. And I can't thank you enough, my friend, for for coming on with me we are definitely going to have to do this again especially as we get into the college all-star games you know we get into free agency maybe once we get you know we know who the gm and the head coach are going to be you know so lots still to talk about um and we're going to have to like i said connect again at some point whether it be on my show your show or whatever yeah uh first off ignacio man thank you so much for the kind comment um thank you to all my supporters that always come by you know whether it's on my channel or somebody else's channel I uh, can't say thank you enough to all you guys um, that, you know, that came in here today and I'll be up. I'm going to be live later tonight on my channel as well, doing the show with bad dogs. So hopefully I see some of you guys over there for that, but I, I can't say thank you enough to all you guys, uh, Pat. I, I, thank you for the opportunity to come on here and talk giants football with you. Uh, it's cool when you get to have a conversation with somebody that's kind of, a, you know, on the inside, you're, you're part of the media. So it's really cool to get that conversation just as a fan. Um, so I can't say thank you enough. Always all, love talking football with you. Looking forward to talking about it in the offseason with you more. Would love to have you on my channel at some point. Um, we could figure it out when 
you know, we got something more to talk about in terms of the draft and free agency and everything else. Maybe when we hire the GM and the coach, um, that'd be a really fun and interesting conversation. But uh, I, I had a lot of fun coming on here talking to you. And um, thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for having me on. My pleasure. And always great to hear from the fans, too, because, listen, you guys and gals, you know your stuff as well. So it's not just, you know, media to media. It's it's nice to to get different voices and different perspectives on. So that said, folks, before we say goodbye, thank you again to Chris, the entertainer Guzzo. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. I'm going to have a special uh, Q&A. Um, I got some leftover Twitter Thursday questions that I didn't get to on Thursday, but I'm going to do them. I'm going to tape the show tonight. I'll run that tomorrow so that uh, I get your questions in. If you have questions, you can send them to me at LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. That information is in the show notes. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. And hang in there, folks. Hopefully, uh, we'll have some news for you soon. Check us out on GiantsCountry.com. Check out the Entertainers channel. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care.